If you think years of education are needed to comprehend God's Word, think again. The Gospel simply can't be understood through human intellect alone. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the wisdom of God and how it differs from the wisdom of the world. Continuing his series, The Word, here's David to introduce today's message, Gaining Insight into God's Word. And I want to thank you for joining us as we move through this signature series of messages on the Bible, on the Word of God. These are messages I've preached over the decades that I've been doing this that center our attention on why the Word of God is so important. And of course, the Bible is our curriculum. The Bible is the source of all that we do. This is kind of, okay, why do you do that? Here are the reasons. You stay tuned during the month of June, you will find out why this is so important to us, and hopefully it will become important to you as well. During the month, in order to uh, encourage your stewardship uh, to Turning Point, we have a very beautiful book that we want to make available called Living the 66 Books of the Bible. Kind of a padded cover, beautifully uh, designed, hard cover, 287 pages in this book, practical application for each book of the Bible. You'll be encouraged and challenged as you study every book to realize that there's a purpose for every book, and it's a practical purpose for your life. And it comes uh, as a companion to the earlier edition, which was just what's in every book. And now this one is what's in it for you to do and for you to, to put into practice. I hope you'll ask for your copy when you send your gift in June. And the month of June is so important to us because it's the end of our fiscal year. We want to finish strong. We want to end up with a really good audit so that we can be powerful in our uh, determination to add stations and reach more people in the new year. So thank you ahead of time for your gift. And now join me as we learn how to gain insight into God's Word. There is a section in my personal library, one long shelf, that contains the biographies of some of the great men of God who have gone before us preparing our way. I try to be almost at all times reading a biography of some great man of God. I find such encouragement when I read what God has done in the lives of men who have been used mightily by the Lord in days past. One of the things that I began to put together as I read the biographies of these great men was that many of these men would not qualify as great intellects, nor would they have been recognized today as great intellectual leaders in the Christendom that you and I know. They were men who had the stamp of God upon their lives, but for some unknown reason they had not been schooled in higher education, many of them not much past high school or a couple of years in college, and if college, not many of them graduate school and doctor's degrees and that sort of thing. And yet God seemed to have wonderfully and uniquely used them in their day to change the world to which he had called them. I was reminded as I reflected on some of the more recent biographies that I have read that the way we judge leadership and excellence in our world today is not certainly the way God judges it. And I want to be very careful to say that I believe in education 
And I believe that all of us ought to go as far as we can to get as much education as possible and to learn everything we can learn about the disciplines of unfolding the truth of the Word of God. But Paul will teach us that the educational process and the intellectual pursuits that are so available to us in our day have really only a small part in the ultimate picture of God's blessing upon a life. That is not to discount it nor to depreciate education. It is simply to say that if that's all we have is a degree and a year spent in an institution learning the outward aspects of the disciplines and we go into the ministry with that alone, then we are going unarmed to do the work of God. For Paul tells us that the thing that God blesses is not what we ourselves achieve, but rather what we receive from God himself. He begins his argument in this sixth verse by reminding us that the wisdom he is preaching and the wisdom about which he speaks is wisdom that is spoken among them that are perfect not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, which comes to naught. Paul is writing here that the wisdom of God is concealed from the men of this age. The princes of this world, or the aristocrats, or the intellectuals of this world, do not know his wisdom. And while they are struggling to understand his wisdom, the scripture says their wisdom is passing away. It is coming to naught. One translation of the sixth verse puts it very graphically, and it reads this way, And yet for an audience of ripe understanding, I have a higher teaching, a divine philosophy, but it is not a philosophy which this world will recognize as such, no, nor the rulers of this world who are on the point of passing into nothingness. Paul says that his philosophy, his wisdom, that truth which he is teaching, the revelation of God is a wisdom which man cannot comprehend through his own human intellect. And that's the whole story right there. You see, the gospel is a new and higher philosophy. It embraces all of history and it looks forward into the entire eternity ahead. And in yet, it is not something that can be learned from a textbook through the intellectual processes that we know today. Paul speaks of the recipients of this higher kind of wisdom, and he calls those who receive this wisdom those who are perfect. Isn't that interesting? He says that those who receive this kind of wisdom which he is embracing are those who are perfect. In this verse, there are two kinds of people that he talks about, the princes and the perfect. And when he talks about the perfect, please understand he's not saying that the only way you can get God's wisdom is to be sinlessly perfect and absolutely holy before God. The word perfect here has nothing to do with sinless perfection. It's a word that means to be mature. It means to be grown up. It means to be mature enough to receive in the spiritual realm the things that God wants to give you. May I remind you that this group that Paul calls the perfect ones is the same group that the world looks at and says they are foolish and weak and base and despised. The other terms that describe the world's attitude toward these men are offset by God's attitude, and he says those who receive God's wisdom are the perfect. So here are the two classes of people, the perfect and the princes. The princes cannot know the wisdom of God, and the perfect can. 
The princes cannot know God because God and his wisdom are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is God's ultimate revelation of himself to mankind. Jesus Christ is God's word to man. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man who came from God. His name was John. The same came to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, said John, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, but the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then the last verse in that section, verse 18, says, No man hath seen God, but the only begotten of the Father, he hath declared him. What does John 1, 1 to 18 say? It says that Jesus Christ is the summum bonum of God's wisdom given to man. And the reason that the world cannot comprehend God's wisdom is because they do not know Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, But of him are you in Jesus Christ, who of God is made unto us what? Wisdom. Notice verse 24. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, the wisdom of God is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And somebody out there in the world, no matter what his intellectual prowess may be, cannot understand God apart from Jesus Christ. He can go to school until he's an old man and study all of the disciplines of life. But until Jesus Christ comes to live within his life, he is outside of the wisdom of God. Wisdom is in Christ, and without him you cannot know God. Just one more thought before we leave verse 6. The Scripture says that the wisdom of this world, of the princes of this world, is passing away. Have you discovered that? The wisdom of this world is passing away. Do you realize how difficult it is to stay up to date on the wisdom of the world? I have a friend who is a physician. And he told me how many journals he has to read every month just to stay up to the state of the art of what's going on in medicine so that he can be at least somewhat qualified. Because you see, the wisdom of the world just keeps changing and it's out of date and ultimately it ends up in nothingness. And yet, Paul says the wisdom about which he speaks is a wisdom that's different than that. It's not the wisdom of the princes, it's the wisdom of the perfect. Now. The wisdom of this world keeps changing and getting updated and comes to naught, but God's wisdom is available to us who have Jesus Christ in our lives. But here's the problem. The problem is the ignorance of man apart from God. I want you to notice verses 7 and 8 in the second chapter, and notice that it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. 
which none of these princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, the ignorance of man apart from God is wrapped up in two or three thoughts that are given to us in these verses. First of all, the Bible tells us that the wisdom of God is a mystery. It's a mystery. You say, well, what does that mean? I've been reading the book of Revelation, and I think you're right. The wisdom of God is a mystery. I can't figure anything out in that book. Maybe that's what you're thinking. No, that's not it. The word mystery is a word in the language of the New Testament which simply means this. It is a truth that can only be known by revelation. It's not a truth that can be studied out and understood. It can only be known as it is revealed to us by God. Now, you see, Paul was writing to a group who understood these terms, the terms mystery, the terms perfect. In Paul's day, the Greeks had their secret societies. You've probably read about that in history. And in these secret societies, all who were initiated had to come into this secret society and possess a certain acumen to get into the society. And once they were initiated, they became possessors of a certain knowledge which was not imparted to those who had not been initiated. And the terminology that they used in these Greek societies is exactly the same terminology Paul uses here. The Greeks often spoke of the initiated as the perfect, and they spoke of the knowledge they received after they got in the group as the mysteries. And Paul is saying to these Corinthians, in the Christian family, we have our perfect and our mysteries too. You who are redeemed are the perfect, and the mysteries are the revealed things that God gives to us from his word. Paul takes these things and he lifts them right out of the pagan surroundings, and he places them in a Christian context. The initiated are the redeemed, and the mysteries now becomes the truth of God revealed to those who have their hearts prepared by the Holy Spirit. Now you see, a mystery is not that which is mysterious but it has reference to the truth which lies beyond the range of unassisted natural apprehension. In other words, it's truth that you cannot know apart from God. Bound up in this mystery is not only the gospel, but the whole body of truth for every believer. In fact, verse 9 illustrates that. Verse 9, which is often thrown out into some future dim part of our heritage, really doesn't have anything to do with what God is going to do for us in the future. It has everything to do with what God has already done for us right now. And it says in verse 9, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What are those things? Those are the things that no unbeliever can ever understand about being a Christian. Only the redeemed can understand it. Have you noticed how unbelievers are running to and fro across this globe trying to find the things that if they would just come to Jesus Christ, they would find in him? They're trying to find peace and contentment and joy and purpose in living, and they try everything under the world to discover those things in their own lives. And the Bible just tells us that all of that is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul can say that in the mystery of the Christian gospel, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You know that the things you strove for in your life before you came to Christ cannot be compared to those wonderful truths that you have now in your life because Jesus Christ is your Savior. The mystery has been unfolded for you in the things which God has given you in your life. Now, 
Paul says that this wisdom that God wants all men to have is not possible because of the ignorance of man, and the ignorance of man is wrapped up in this, that this wisdom is a mystery to him, and secondly, notice the scripture says it is hidden. It says in this text that these truths are hidden wisdom, verse 7. That means that the natural man, through his own resources, cannot figure out the things of God. It is absolutely impossible for a man to reason his way to Jesus Christ. No matter how much importance we may place on apologetics and all the arguments that we can use to bring someone into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, you can argue until you're blue in the face, and unless a divine thing takes place in the encounter with that individual, that person will go to hell knowing a great deal about the Christian faith but being unsaved. And sometimes in our apologetics classes, if we're not careful, we get the impression that if you can just learn all of the arguments, that you're armed for the battle. You know, I remember taking evangelism courses in college and in seminary and learning all of the arguments that you're supposed to use when you meet this kind of fellow and that kind of fellow, and you, you say this to that. You know what? I've never met that person yet. <laughs> I never have. I keep waiting for that person to come up, and every time I meet a person who's got all these questions, I try to just kind of put the questions aside and tell him about Jesus, and usually that's the most effective thing I can do. Because you see, the power is not in my ability to argue or my knowledge of all of the arguments or, you know, he throws a right and I come back with a left and we spar for two or three hours, and finally, if I'm really equipped well, we win. The gospel, you see, is the supernatural dynamo that comes when the Spirit of God empowers a person with the message of Jesus Christ plus or minus nothing. And the wisdom of God is hidden unless the Spirit of God does something about it. You know, the Bible says in Romans 11:33, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, what's the rest of it? How unsearchable are his judgments. He's unapproachable. No human intellect can ever approach the mind of God in his own wisdom and in strength. Job 11, 7 carries the words of Job as he cries out, can a man by searching find out God? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. It is not that we find God, but that he finds us. And unless God breaks through the process to open up our minds and our hearts so that Jesus Christ can become real to us, we can reason until we're blue in the face. And the princes of this world and the wisdom of this world cannot approach unto God. That's why the unsaved person, according to verse 14 of the second chapter, cannot understand the things of God. Notice, we'll get to this, but jump ahead a moment. And notice that it says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why a pagan can't understand the Bible, can't understand the truth of the Bible. And young people, that's why if you go to a secular university and you sit in some course where some pagan is trying to teach you the Bible is literature, you're wasting your money, your time, and probably doing yourself a great deal of damage because there's no pagan under the sun, no matter what his degrees may be, who can unfold the meaning of this book apart from the Spirit of God. It is only as we have the truth that God gives us by his Holy Spirit that that is possible. I want you to notice the third thing. Not only is God's wisdom a mystery, and not only is it hidden, but notice thirdly that God's wisdom is not understood, and the proof of it is the cross. It says in verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you want to know one of the most blatant illustrations of the foolishness and ignorance of man? Here it is. 
They took the one about whom the scripture says that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that he is the wisdom that we seek. And they took the wisdom of God and they nailed him on a tree and killed him. If ever there was a testimony to the foolishness and ignorance of man, that's it. They took God's wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ, put him on a cross and nailed his hands and his feet there and killed him. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says in verse 8 that none of the princes of this world knew the wisdom of God because if they'd known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory who is God's wisdom. What a graphic illustration of the foolishness of men without God. Well, that's why the Lord Jesus prayed when he was on the cross, Father, forgive them. What's the rest of it? They know not what they do. That's why Peter, when he was preaching, recorded in the book of Acts, was preaching in the third chapter in verse 17, and he said to the Jews, I know that through ignorance you did it. You didn't know what you were doing. You nailed the Christ, the wisdom, to the cross. You didn't know what you were doing. You see, what the princes of the world cannot know, that is reserved for the perfect, can only be given to us through one process, and that's what we call the process of revelation. And how beautifully it is given to us in the 10th verse, which gives us the contrast. The princes of the world can know it. It's foolishness unto them. It's beyond their reach. But verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. That's it. Paul writes in verse 10 that the things of God are revealed by his spirit. For he says, the spirit searcheth all things, yea, even the deep things of God. Now, stay with me for just a moment, and let me explain what Paul's talking about. He's using here a word. He says the word search is the right word for what God does for us in Revelation. He says this word search describes how God brings his revelation to us. Now, the word itself is an interesting word because it is sometimes used with reference to God the Father. For instance, in Romans eight twenty-seven, we read this. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. That's the same word. It's used in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23. I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, speaking of God. In the New Testament, the word search is a word which is used like we would describe a customs official who is going through someone's bags looking for hidden articles. And the word tells us that the Holy Spirit who has been given to us who are Christians, explores the deep treasures of God like he was searching for lost articles. And then he takes those deep treasures of God and he reveals those truths which God has in store for those who love him. And the process of spiritual illumination is something that we receive, not something we achieve. Hmm. Have you received it? Have you sensed that God has enabled you to unfold the Word of God and understand it. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to guide us into all things. One of the wonderful things about becoming a Christian is you get an interpreter. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you and help you to understand things you couldn't understand before. I've often laughed because sometimes people have said, you know, I never could understand the Bible. Then I became a Christian and found out somebody rewrote it. No, they didn't rewrite it. You just learned how to read it because the Holy Spirit came to help you. And, um, that's what happens uh, 
that gives you insight into the scripture. And then during the month, we have an incredible resource. Some months ago, we did a book on the 66 books of the Bible, which it's a beautiful hardback gift book that tells you what's in the books of the Bible. We decided to do a follow-up gift book on how the gift that we gave you the first time can work in your life every day. And this is called Living in the 66 Books of the Bible, 287 pages in a hardcover book with practical application for every book in the Bible. You will want to have this in your library. You will put it to work as soon as you get it. And we want you to have it for a gift of any size during the month of June. Ask for your copy of this book. It will come to you right away as our way of saying thank you for your investment. We're going to take a break for the weekend. We'll be back on Monday for part two of gaining insight into the Word of God. We have many uh, powerful messages on the Scripture ahead of us in the month of June. I hope you won't miss one program. Don't forget to get to church on the Lord's Day. Be an encouragement to your pastor. And you can watch Turning Point on television. We're almost every place you can, you can find us. And then be sure to join us Monday right here for the next edition of Turning Point on Radio. I'm David Jeremiah. My privilege to be with you and be your guide. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Word, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's new book, Living the 66 Books of the Bible, and learn to better understand and apply God's Word each day. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Word, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled up to $50,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. 
A young Tracy Kidder was writing articles for the Atlantic magazine in the late 1970s. He wanted to write books, but had no ideas. His editor suggested he write a book about computers, so he did. And his book won the Pulitzer Prize and the American Book Award for Nonfiction. In a later edition of the book, he said he took his editor's advice because he couldn't think of anything better to do. There's a lesson there for children of God. Our Heavenly Father may present marvelous opportunities to us in the most incidental ways. If we don't live lives of prayerful attention, we may miss them. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's opportunities on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.